Welcome and thanks for joining Deacon Ryan, the people's platform and community where like-minded people come together to gather, pray and above all, share our love for both God and one another. That's here with Deacon Ryan. Let's pray. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today our journey through Scripture explores the Matean account of the Beatitudes. Now for many, the Beatitudes objectify the transition from the Old Testament to the New They are immediately contrasted with the law. We have the Old Testament and the law, those 613 mitzvot or commandments the Pharisees loved to preach about over here. And on the other side, we have the New Testament and Jesus preaching the Beatitudes, reconciling the tension that exists when Jesus tells us that he came not to abolish, but to fulfill the law is the task that all faithful must grapple with at some point in time in their faith journeys. St. John Paul II preached about the law and the Beatitudes, and he said, Jesus' message is new, but it does not destroy what went before. It leads what went before to its fullest potential. Jesus teaches that the way of love brings the law to fulfillment. So the Beatitudes are the way of supreme happiness, the way of love. It seems relatively straightforward, at least until we start to dig into them individually. Blessed are the merciful, the clean of heart, the peacemakers, those who hunger for righteousness. Now these, these make sense to me. 
We're to be merciful, to honor God's mercy for us by being merciful to our brothers and sisters. The Latin for mercy, misericordia, is to move our heart, core, to the misery, the distress, the affliction, the miseria of the other, and to help them regain their dignity as children of God. We're to purify our hearts so that they are prepared to receive Christ. We're to be peacemakers, to model Christ shedding his blood to reconcile us with our God by bringing our brothers and sisters closer to him. We're to hunger, to thirst for righteousness. We're to be restless as long as there is injustice as long as we as a people are not collectively in right relation with God. This this makes sense to me, my friends. But then we continue on with blessed are the meek, the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And blessed are you, when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. I'll be honest, my friends, this is hard to make sense of. It's, it's a hard and tough pill to swallow. And it's certainly countercultural. JP2 said that if the Beatitudes were written by popular culture, they would be Blessed are the proud and the violent, those who prosper at any cost, who are unscrupulous, pitiless, devious, who make war, not peace, and persecute those who stand in their way. So how do we, how do we make sense of these two images? How do we bridge the gap from where we are today to where our Lord calls us to be? Now, each of us engages differently with the teachings of Christ, and I can't dictate to you how to make sense of a thing. But I can tell you that in my own journey of faith-seeking understanding, St. Thomas Aquinas, who we just yesterday celebrated his feast day, he has been instrumental in my own apprehension of these more challenging Beatitudes. Aquinas said that if you want to see the most perfect exemplification of the Beatitudes, you need to look not just to Christ, but to Christ crucified. We know that our true happiness lies in Jesus Christ, and yet we are addicted to, we idolize wealth and pleasure and power and honor. And yet hanging on the cross, naked, bloody, Jesus was stripped of any wealth or worldly goods. We're addicted to all forms of pleasure, and yet he experienced no pleasure on the cross. He experienced the most brutal form of torture known to man. Our word excruciating literally is rooted in Christ, for it comes from the Latin excruce, from the cross. The act of crucifixion. It stripped him of his power. It emasculated him to the point where he didn't even have the power to breathe. 
We love to be honored, and yet when our crucified Lord was exposed on the cross, he was exposed to the worst form of dishonor. He hung naked between two common criminals, subject to the scorn of the mob and abandoned by only a few of his followers. Bishop Barron brought home this point in a powerful statement. He said, poor in spirit, meek, mourning, and persecuted, he was able to be pure of heart, to seek righteousness utterly, to become the ultimate peacemaker, and to be the perfect conduit of the divine mercy to the world. Though it is supremely paradoxical to say so, the crucified Jesus is the man of beatitude, a truly happy man. My friends, Christ not only preaches the Beatitudes, he is the Beatitudes. When we have that image of Christ on the cross firmly fixed in our minds, then we are ready to engage with those challenging Beatitudes. We're called to be meek, not to be pushovers or cowards, not to return evil for evil, but to respond to violence and evil in the world with the peace Christ gave us just as he did on the cross. We're called to be poor in spirit, to rely upon our Lord for everything, to have a childlike trust in his providence just as Christ trusted the Father. We're called to mourn, to mourn our sins and the sins of others, just as Christ experienced them for us. It is the image of Christ on the cross as he extended his forgiveness to the penitent thief, as he gave us our mother, as he loved us, It is this witness that gives us the confidence to be insulted and to have evil uttered against us, to be persecuted and wounded for Christ, to suffer in our witness to him. Now, if you're like me, your internal conversation might go similar to how mine went. Well, Deacon, I understand this intellectually, But how am I supposed to live up to such lofty ideals? How am I supposed to model Jesus Christ, God himself? And I I thought the same thing, my friends. Then I reflected on St. Paul's words today in our second reading. I may not be wise by human standards. I may not be powerful. And unless Ancestry.com tells me otherwise, I'm probably not of noble birth. I can't speak for you, my brothers and sisters. But St. Paul certainly speaks to me. He speaks as though he knows me when he calls me foolish and weak and lowly. But as St. Paul says... Christ has chosen the foolish to shame the wise, the weak to shame the strong, the lowly and despise those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something, 
all so that we will realize that it is only through Christ. That it is only and precisely because of our lowliness and weakness through our modest and imperfect and failed attempts to model him and the Beatitudes that he preached, the Beatitudes that he is, that we may rejoice and be glad for the love he has for us. JP2 once said, Blessed are you who seem to be losers because you are the true winners. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Now, my friends, my wife has asked for a commission every time I mention her in a homily. So today, instead of mentioning her, I'm going to mention my daughter. Five years ago today, Aspen and I released a podcast episode on the Beatitudes. And so in conclusion, leveraging the wisdom of the youth, I want to conclude with the very wise words my then 10-year-old daughter had to say. She said, The Beatitudes are very important because they are what Jesus taught. The Beatitudes are in Jesus' heart, and he lives for them. So maybe we should, too. Amen. Thanks once again for taking the time to join Deacon Ryan, the people's platform and community where like-minded people come together to gather, pray, and above all, share our love for both God and one another. That's here with Deacon Ryan.